Guys, welcome to episode number 58 of the Perfect Fair Podcast. We're here with Katie B. Even on stage, like my knees. Frame you up. The rush of things, you can still stay controlled. Before we kick off the episode, just a quick word from our sponsors and partners. First of all, True Protein, who is unafraid to cut through the noise of an oversaturated market and break the mold to deliver authentic, all-natural products with genuine health benefits and none of the fake stuff. True have bucked the trend for expensive, overhyped, bad-tasting protein powders and supplements packed with false promises to reinvent the marketplace and create a 100% natural, delicious, quality protein with no gimmicks, nothing artificial, and a completely transparent ingredient list. You can pick up True Protein online at trueprotein.com.au and if you use the code PERFECTFAM10, you'll score yourself an exclusive Perfect Fam discount or if you are local and if you're listening to the Perfect Fam podcast, I'm assuming you are, you can pick up True Protein from over 200 retailers across the state. And if you want to find the one closest to you, just shoot us a message and I'll point you in the right direction. That's trueprotein.com.au. And of course, we had the launch a couple of weeks ago with FitFam Finder, the dating app for fitness singles, which was created out of demand from you guys, the Perth Fitness community who were frustrated with current online dating app options. So FitFam Finder's mission is to create a safe environment for fitness singles to date and establish healthy relationships centered around fitness, friendship, and fun. And as I mentioned, FitFam Finder is now available to download on the App Store. So just search FitFam Finder, that's F-I-N-D-R, no E, on the App Store you'll be able to download and for our Android users, stay put because we'll be coming to the Play Store soon. And last but not least, the Perfect Fam podcast wouldn't be complete without mentioning our website, perfectfam.com.au. So if you follow us, listen to the podcast, or love what we do, but you didn't already know, you can find out more and see what's happening across the Perth Fitness scene on perfectfam.com.au. You can head there, there to download our podcast, read our articles, or search for local fitness businesses and events. So if you're a fitness business, you can list for free on PerfitFam. And we also offer marketing courses for fitness business owners who want to crush it in business with social media. So for fitness enthusiasts wanting to see what's up or for fitness businesses who are looking to be seen, head to perfitfam.com.au. Ready How to go. That? Oh, yeah. it was beautiful. We're good. Beautiful. I know, I know. Uh, every t- every time, every time. Uh, Katie B, <laughs> welcome to the Perfect Fan Podcast. Our first female guest officially. Ooh, that's for exciting. 2020. For 2020. Yeah, not yeah. in total. Okay. So, All so right. I got in a little <laughs> bit of trouble because I created the pre-roll video and I used a bunch of clips and um, I did it very, very quickly and I didn't put in any female. So I got a few wow. messages about, hey, where's the Perfect Fam girls? So that's why I'm here. Uh, no, no, you're here because <laughs> I wanted to catch up, but I've like, I've got to change that pre-roll. So next time I'll make sure that we get some cool videos of you and some of the other cool hey, girls cool. across the Perth Fitness scene. Awesome. Um, so you are my Canadian friend? Yes. 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 So first of all, when did you come to Australia and why did you, how, how did you end up in Perth? Well, um, so I've been in Australia for about nine years now. So I've been here a little bit of time. Um, I going all the way back to like year three, <laughs> we got assigned a project that we had to do on a country and I chose Australia. Okay. Um, 
And like everybody else, I fell in love with a kangaroo. Yes. <laughs> and I remember telling my, my teacher like way back in the day in year three um, that when I was older, I wanted to move here. And okay, cool. Um, and then I was, I think... 23, 24. Um, I was working in real estate doing their marketing and advertising for them in Toronto, Ontario. And I was getting really bored. And it was just kind of the same thing over and over and over again. Um, and I remember calling up my parents and I was just like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit my job. I'm going to sell my apartment. I'm going to come home for a couple months. And I'm going to move to Australia. Yep. Where were your parents at that point in time? So I'm from a small town called North Bay. So okay. it's in Ontario. Um, and I was working in like a bigger city at the time. Okay, gotcha. So I called them up and I was just like, I'm going to like quit my job, sell my apartment, go home and then move to Australia. My parents were like, okay, Katie, yeah. Because my big dream was like to always work in the big city. Awesome. So they yep. didn't believe me. And then like two weeks later, I was like... Hey guys, <laughs> guess what? <laughs> um, so I moved home. I ended up working for like a very small ice hockey team at the time. Mm -hmm. um, did a little bit of like um, business development with them and marketing and a bunch of other things. Um, saved up and then came over here. I dragged my brother over here um, with me as well. So Is he still here? No. Um, so he got really homesick. So he only lasted about three months. Um, and we traveled along the East Coast. And then Perth was kind of like the last stop for me. And I didn't really know how I was going to stay here, what I was going to do. So um, came over to Perth and settled here. And then everything just kind of started falling into place. So I ended up studying here and then just kind of making it my home. So um, because I'm from such a small town, my parents ran into my year three teacher about four years ago. Uh -huh. And she started asking about me and she's like, you know, what's Katie doing right now? And they're like, oh, she's moved to Australia. And she's like, I cannot believe she's actually done it. She remembered me telling her that back like ages ago. That's crazy. So, yeah. When you came, which were the cities that you went to initially over east? Um, I, well, I obviously I landed in Sydney. Um, I was only there for a very short amount of time and then basically like just traveled up from there. So, uh, I was in, um, Brisbane, Cooktown, Rainbow Beach, um, Whitsundays, Green Island. So, And all of these, you chose Perth. Yeah, well, like I said... Sorry, I, I, I said that I like it's Perth. a bad like, thing. I love Perth. I said, I, I love Perth. Perth is my favorite city by far. I yeah. said that like it was a bad thing, I just, <laughs> I just, which is not. I just meant um, you chose Perth being so far away. Yeah, I mean, it was... Um, it just kind of happened that way. So when I came here... Um, now an ex of mine, but we were together and we ended up kind of settling in and everything. And then I ended up um, enrolling into uni as well. So things just kind of were here already and it just kind of made me love the place a lot more and it just became became home. Wicked. Um, and then so you come in from the advertising and the marketing background in real estate working with ho hockey, when did you get into um, the fitness, the health and fitness industry yeah. and why did you make the decision to do that? Um, it was quite a personal adventure for me. So when I was 18, I was actually, believe it or not, I was in uni for fashion design. As well. Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah, believe it or not. Um, so I was studying fashion um, at a uni away from home. And I wasn't feeling very well. I was getting really tired in school. Um, my back was really sore. I just wasn't feeling on. I was falling asleep in class um, and then I went home for my first uni break and my parents had a look at me and they're just like something's not right. Um, the first year uni students in fashion were basically modeling for the last year students. Mm -hmm. So we would go and do fittings and get like the clothes fitted for us and then each week when they would come back to do the fitting 
I had lost weight. So the girl was getting really mad at me because she had to keep adjusting my clothes. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, when I went back home, my parents were just like, something's not right. Um, so they took me to the doctor and we got some blood work done. And um, the doctor started asking me questions. He was just like, you know, what are you studying? And I told him, oh, I'm studying fashion. And then he asked me about like other things. And I told him I was modeling because of the, the last year students and everything as well. And he tried to start putting things together because I'd lost a lot of weight. Um, and he basically told my parents that I was anorexic. I was like, there's no way. Like, my mom was just like, I've seen this girl eat. <laughs> yes. Um, there's no way that she's anorexic. Um, so we ended up doing some blood work. I went back home, and then within, like, 40 minutes, they called me up. And they're like, you need to go to the hospital, like, right now. Um, so I got admitted to the hospital and um, found out at that point that I was type 1 diabetic. So, yeah, I don't even know if you knew about that, did you? I didn't. Yeah, there we go. That's why we did um, the Perfect Fair podcast. Yeah. Can I please ask you a favor? Can we just pull this up a little bit? Oh, sorry. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> did we get all that story? Yeah, we got yeah, all okay, the story. Cool. I didn't know that. This is going to be way clearer from now. <laughs> all right, great. Sorry, guys. Um, yeah, so I basically from there, it was I, I had a phobia of needles. Okay. And then I found out that I had to inject myself four times a day. So I basically told the nurses, I was like, I'm not doing that. And they're like, you have to. Like, you don't have a choice to do that. Like, you have to do it. Um, so I spent like two weeks in the hospital just learning how to be able to inject myself properly. And then I had a dietitian come in and visit me and um, talk to me about like how my nutrition was going to change and everything. Um, and it was very basic. Um, and the information that she had given me was you can eat anything that you want as long as you take enough insulin for it. And okay. then she told me that every meal that I had, I had to have some sort of carbohydrate. So I had to choose between cereal, rice, pasta, or bread. Mm -hmm. um, and like at that point, I was very skinny. I was very sick. So I needed to gain some weight. So I followed what they had told me. Um, and I ended up gaining the weight back. But I also ended up gaining a considerable amount more after that as well because of everything I was eating. Um, so then I started, like, my blood sugar levels were all over the place. It was really hard to manage. So I started doing my own research and then just basically became my own guinea pig. So um, kind of like what you've been doing as well. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I did vegan. I did vegetarian. I did raw. Try doing a raw diet in the middle of winter in Canada. So raw vegan? Yeah. That's like so the extremities. It is, like, ridiculous. And coming home from work on a cold night when it's, like, minus 45. Yes. And then sitting down to a cold meal while your family is eating, like, this nice, like, roast dinner. Yes. It's the worst <laughs> thing in the world. Um, so that didn't last very long. And then at that time, paleo wasn't really well-known anywhere, really. It was kind of very, very new and up-and-coming. Um, and I got really intrigued by it and decided that, that was kind of like the next step I was going to take and try out. And it was the first diet that I tried that really helped me manage my levels a lot better. Um, so it kind of became like the, the foundation of my interest in nutrition and why I really wanted to focus on it because there's so much out there, yeah. um, that people just didn't know. And the information that people were getting in the hospitals may not be the best thing for them. And I feel like people really need to do their own research and understand their own bodies and how they respond to it better. Um, so yeah, then I found out that paleo was obviously attached to CrossFit. Yes. <laughs> um, and then I was just like, well, if I'm doing paleo, I might as well do CrossFit too. So yeah. um, I got the balls and stepped into my very first CrossFit box. So this is in Canada still? No, this was this was in this was in Australia. That was over on the East Coast. I cannot remember the name of it. It was in 
Um, I think it was in Brisbane. I cannot remember the name of it. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, but I will never forget that first. Like, I remember running my first 400 meters and I thought I was going to die. Like From a 400 meter run? 400 meter run. Still struggle today. Like. I was going to say, do you, do you look back now and go, oh my Lord, that was like just I like mean, a warm up run? Like some of the things, yeah. 400 meters, I still struggle. Like. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think like those two things just connected. So I kind of ended up doing the paleo diet and really like just focusing on researching and just starting to believe that there was so much more out there and the information that most people were getting wasn't enough and um took me a little bit of time because I'd already gone to uni I already had like my um my bachelor in advertising and marketing went to fashion dropped out of fashion um and I really didn't want to go back to uni again um but then I wanted to make sure that I could have that backing um so if I was going to give nutrition advice they could be confident in what I was delivering to them so I ended up going back to uni after all of that when I came here to Perth and um yeah now we're here today was that ECU no, it was a private. So this is the other thing. So um, I think because of my experience with dietitians and nothing, nothing against dietitians, yep. um, the pathway that dietitians go through uni was just not the way that I wanted to do it. I sure. wanted to have more of a holistic approach and I wanted to be able to follow things that I believed in and that I thought were sound for the individual yep. and not as a collective um, amount of people, I guess. So I ended up going to a private u- uni called Endeavor. And that is basically the only uni that does like a nutrition degree. So it's a health science degree um, with a focus on nutritional medicine. Gotcha. Is, yeah. that what, is that what you did? No, I actually went to, so I did a Bachelor of Health Science and Nutrition, but through the dietetics channel. Okay, so, yeah. But I worked in natural medicine for like six years. So I know oh. Endeavor. We used to deal with Endeavor. Yeah, cool. Awesome. There you go. I knew that Endeavor had cross paths. There we before, go. So got that's, a why, connection. that's why I thought I'd double check. <laughs> um, so before I go into the, the nutrition and the diet side, because I'm really interested to get your take going through that. Yeah. Um, but before we do, um, you got two types of diabetes. So you got type one diabetes, you got type two. Now type two is um, like almost forced, forced diabetes, right? So from yeah, bad habits, it's, whereas it's type coming from a lifestyle. Genetics. Yes, correct. Yeah. So, yeah. Expi- so you still have diabetes now. Correct, yes. Do you still do your insulin injections every day? Yeah, every day. So explain that process to me. And obviously you've had it for years now. So obviously overcoming needles. It's kind of a routine, yes. Um, Actually, I still have to get get sedatives if I want to go in and get blood work done. Oh, really? Yeah, that's how bad I am. So I think because I can control it, a bit of a control freak. So like if I can control it, it's okay. But if somebody else is doing it to me, I just, I can't do it. Okay. So I literally have to go to the doctors, get a prescription, so yep. I can go and get blood work done. Um, so how, yeah. does, how, does di- how, do, how does having type 1 diabetes affect your life as a fitness person? Um, like, it was a lot of learning, especially back then, because I got, I got diagnosed when I was 18, and I'm not 18 anymore. Yes. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, back in the day, there was very little information. A lot of it was, a lot of it still is um, focused on type 2 because it is much more common. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to do, again, it was basically becoming my own guinea pig and experimenting a lot in terms of how to use the dosages and everything. But like a typical day for me, um, you wake up in the morning, you measure your, your blood sugar levels, and then you would eat your first meal, take your insulin for it, and then measure as you go along throughout the day. The biggest challenge for me was training. And I remember going to my doctor the first time. I was like, hey, like I've, um, I've decided to try CrossFit. 
and they didn't know what it was at the time. So I had to yep. explain to them what it was. And they're like, oh, no, you can't do that. So they literally told me that I shouldn't be training. Well, wow. yeah. What, because you're going to deplete too much um, glycogen? Just because of the risks in terms of how your blood sugar levels work. And it was unpredictable. Because it was unpredictable, it was hard to say, okay, you want to go into this workout at this level. Um, so I obviously didn't follow that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it just became like this thing where I just needed to start experimenting. And obviously like when I started, I had to let my coaches know, like, this is what happens. Um, sometimes I might have to just kind of like remove myself from, you know, the workout or the strength block, whatever we're working on, um, and just go and test, or I might have to inject. Okay. Um, so it was a bit of a struggle. It was actually a lot of a struggle at the beginning because mm-hmm. you, especially in CrossFit where you don't really know the, I guess, intensity that you're going to be putting in. Constantly varied. That's it. That, that's the words that's I was looking word. for. <laughs> <laughs> Constantly varied. Yes. Um, so you don't really know how to manage it until you basically show up. Um, so that makes it a bit difficult to kind of predict in terms of how I want to enter into something. Um, the way that I've found that works the best for me. So typically like a normal person like yourself, you would have a blood sugar level that would range from about four to seven, Mm -hmm. seven being like basically after you eat because your blood sugar levels are rising from eating. Um, for myself, if I was going into a workout, I do what we create, we create like a buffer zone. So I cannot, there's one other athlete in CrossFit way back in the day. I cannot remember his name now, but he was a type one as well. And I managed to connect with him on Facebook way back in the day. Was he a guy that always had like pads yeah. on his back? Yeah, I And he had like an amazing rig? Now. Yes. And he was an amazing. ex-alcoholic. I uh, don't know. I swear it's the same guy. Okay. And it's like actually this long story, but he would always train with these like pads yeah. on his back. Yeah. And I, I had no idea what it was. Yeah, and it wasn't until I learned that that's where he did his insulin yeah. injections. I yeah. Think. So um, I managed to connect with him and I got a little bit of information through him. I wish I could remember his name now. Um, but he basically said the same thing as what I do today. So we create kind of like a buffer zone. So um, the worst thing that you want to happen in a workout or any time is to have a low. So when your blood sugars get low, you get really shaky, you get confused. It's almost like you're drunk. Like it's a weird state that you become in and it can be very dangerous. So in terms of going into a workout, I always do basically like a buffer zone. So I try to enter the workout at around like a seven or eight. So that way, if my levels drop during the workout, so typically if it's like an endurance kind of thing where it's more slow paced and you're just kind of kicking on type thing, um, that's when your blood sugars tend to drop if it's super high intensity your cortisol levels go up your blood sugar levels rise um, and then it's a different story so what we do is we kind of create that buffer zone just in case if they do drop then you're still kind of within range and if they go up then you just correct afterwards yes okay that makes sense yeah it does so (laughs) do you always have carbs on hand uh yes I am the lucky one that gets to carry lollies around with me all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, it's, um, it's just something I have to do like at work and stuff like that. In my car, I always have like a good stash kind of hidden. I try to keep it hidden so then it's not visible because if it's visible... You're just starting, you, isn't it? Then you want it, right? <laughs> you want it. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so CrossFit competition then. So we're talking yeah. about one workout. We're talking about judging a workout yeah. and creating a buffer. Yeah. Have you ever competed in a CrossFit competition which is over a day or multiple days? Yeah. Um, Ages ago, before I had multiple shoulder injuries, I have done it. Um, And it's just a lot of monitoring. It's like basically you measure before you go into a workout, as soon as you come out of it. Um, If you, depending on how much time you have between the workouts, you measure as you go along. So you're, you're measuring a lot more and you're just correcting as you go. 
Um, now you're an extremely lean person. You have abs pretty much year round. Um, I've got to make sure that I get some pop-ups for Shit. anyone watching the video now. <laughs> how does um, having type 1 diabetes affect your ability to stay in shape? Um, I, it's hard for me to say because I wasn't like, I was always into sports as like a younger kid and stuff like that, but didn't really pay attention, I guess. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't really until I got diagnosed that I was really focused on in terms of fitness and training and all of these things. So it's kind of hard for me to say, um, I don't really have an answer for that. So nothing like nothing, nothing really essentially. I don't but, think so. But that's okay. That's okay. Because I want to go through your nutrition next Uh-oh. and the different <laughs> diets that you've done and kind of like your oh, thoughts on things now. Yeah. So um, I didn't know that you did like vegan and mm. raw and um, yeah, uh, I was paleo. a really bad vegan. Were you? Yeah. What you ate meat? Yeah. Oh, so <laughs> <laughs> just vegan for the gram. Did you have, yeah. did you have plant-based in your Instagram bio? Uh, no, Instagram was was not even a thing. Oh, this so you were vegan before it was cool? Yeah, oh, yeah, excellent. definitely. Okay, yeah, trendsetter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so what was your experience on a vegan diet? Um, I'm not sure how athletic you would have been back then, but what not was your experience much, yeah. going through a vegan diet? Um, it, it takes a lot of thought and a lot of research. And I think like, I think um, a lot of people don't tend to do their own research and... Uh, look at the bias points of things. So like they'll, they'll, they'll see something on Instagram or a documentary, um, something like that. And they'll be like, that is what I want to do because I want to look like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they jump on the bandwagon, but they don't tend to actually do the research themselves. Yep. Um, like a Netflix documentary is not going to give you everything. Yeah. Right? Did, didn't we get rattled last year with Netflix documentaries? So many. Um, and I just find, I think for me, I'm super analytical. Um, if I hear something, I will research it until like, I don't even know what the word is. I will research the shit out of it basically. Yep. Um, because I want to know every single point that I can bring to the table, um, whether it be for or against it. And then basically I'll take like column A, column B, put them together and then figure out what's the best approach on it. Um, but in terms of like vegan for me, I found it obviously very hard. I love meat. Like I love a good then steak. Then it's going to be I an extremely good... hard diet. And it was so hard. And I was still living at home at the time. Um, so, you know, I'd be making my fucking, sorry, can I swear on this? <laughs> uh, yeah, as long as Facebook don't get me, then sorry. yes. Yes, you can do it. Um, I'll just click that explicit button. <laughs> Um, I'd be making like, you know, your tofu or your tempeh or like chickpeas. I hate, I hate chickpeas. You know what I hate? Tempeh. I I don't mind tempeh. Chickpeas have this weird, like sandy, like weird consistency to them. And I really don't like it. Um, but you know, I'd be preparing a meal like that. And then I'd be seeing my mom making like this beef roast with like gravy and like, you don't want to miss out on that kind of, like, I don't want to miss on some people may be okay with it and that's totally fine. Um, but yeah, it was it was not it was not my thing. So not sustainable. Now my question before we move on from vegan is, and you say that you love meat. Did you go vegan for health reasons or did you go vegan for ethical reasons? Uh, neither really. It okay. was it was because of the diabetes. When I got diagnosed, I was just trying to find something that would allow me to manage my blood sugar levels 
well um, and have more control of how I was, I guess, performing and how I felt as well. Mm -hmm. um, that was the biggest reason why I ended up experimenting with so many things. Now, going um, from one extreme to the other, because I've done keto, so I've done keto yep. that I experimented with for three months. I did my bloods twice a day yep. and went through the whole process. Um, the first time that you and I actually crossed paths was because you were on a pull-up banner for a keto <laughs> yeah, that's company. Right. That's um, so right. Yeah, yep. so I actually... This must be five years ago or something, four or five years ages ago. ages ago. Yeah. And um, I always thought back then that you were a keto advocate. I yeah. didn't even know. I, it's about type 1 diabetes till now. Yeah. So did you ever go keto? If so, what effect would that have on type 1 diabetes? Would it be positive or negative because it's almost a zero-carb diet? Correct. Um, I was not officially keto. So like if you were to do all of the tests, I wouldn't be keto per se, um, because my protein levels would have been too high for it. It sure. wouldn't, it wouldn't have worked out that way. Um, but like at that time I was still like on a paleo diet. So it's still quite high in fat, um, but not quite there. But the person that approached me for that product in particular, his wife is type one diabetic. Yes. And that was the, the, that was the connection there. Um, and yes, a high fat diet has like, there's many studies that have been shown that it can be very, um, a good thing for a type one diabetic because it's a lot easier to manage your blood sugar levels. But in turn, how did you find maintaining it in like social events and social events, almost impossible. Yeah. Um, actually I won't say impossible, but extremely hard. Yeah. But the thing which I went through on my cult diet or extreme diet in journey, um, was that I had no significant change. Okay. So for me, whether I did keto, vegan, or I just counted my macros, yeah. there was very little difference. And I'm talking from a blood level, I'm talking from a body composition level, a performance level. Really, I got to the end of 12 months and I was hoping to be able to tell people, yeah, like, I, this I is what we great. need to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, my cognitive function was amazing with oh, keto. I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I was expecting to be like Elon Musk smart whilst I was doing it. And like, the don't we all? If that was the case, I would be keto as well. All the time. And for me, mental performance is. Is like a massive thing so I was hoping to feel like really alert really creative and um, no none of the above things. how did you measure something like that uh, something like creativity or um, I guess cognitive function um, it would be hard for me to track without it being a subjective yeah um, but what I found was it was lifestyle factors such as sleep and stress yeah which had bigger impact on those sorts of things yeah the only thing for me over the 12 months is I got to the end and it was literally like minimal blood changes throughout the whole year, except for just little fluctuations, but nothing which was actually an outlier. And it was, if I wanted to change my body composition, I, like lower body fat, need to be yeah. in a deficit. If yeah. I wanted to increase lean muscle tissue, I needed a minimum amount of protein. A yeah. minimum for me was like 120 grams. Yep. Um, and I need to stimulate muscle growth. So yep. I need to train heavy. Yeah. If I wanted to increase my VO2 max, I needed to force adaptation by doing better in the gym. It was literally the most simple, simple, simple stuff. Yeah. And it was, and it's very hard for someone to convince me of a diet or a way of doing things now yeah. because it's just simple well, you've, sports science. You've done what like everybody should be doing. Yeah. Like people should understand, like I, if, if a client comes to me and I want to, I want to try keto. Good. Like go and do it. I want to see how you feel because mm. it, they might come out of it and it might even be a placebo effect just because they're doing something new. Mm. Um, and they might come back and say like, this is the best thing I've ever done. I feel so good. My cognitive function's great, you know, and 
cool. If it is, then that's great. And that might be what works for them. But like you were saying, in terms of getting um, like body fat percentages down and that kind of thing, we need to be put into a deficit regardless of how we how we manage those macros. It doesn't really matter depending on what their lifestyle and their goals are yep. um, and what kind of training they're doing potentially. Um, but yeah, the calorie deficit is like the, the number one thing. Yeah. What did James Smith call it? That was his masterpiece. <laughs> Yeah, calorie <laughs> deficit. We were at his event on the on the weekend. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And so he, he he was actually quite good live. And then he started like then he it was like it was the next song. And he introduced <laughs> calorie deficit. And he goes, I know, I know. It's you know my if a masterpiece. And because uh, it's like everyone gave him a round of applause as soon as he said calorie <laughs> deficit. It was quite funny. But um yeah, it is really basic sort of stuff. So um you've gone through like vegan. Uh, you've gone through paleo. Are you still paleo now? Um no. Okay. No. So what's your thought pattern? So you, you've been doing this for what, uh, nine years? Yeah. 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 They're about nine yeah. years and your thought pattern would have changed so much. Like I know when I look back, th- yeah. if I look back three months from now, there's things that I think now, which in three months time, I'm going to be like, hundred oh, percent. Yeah. hundred percent. So where you're at at the moment, what's your approach to nutrition for yourself? First of all, because you're going to be your, your approach for yourself, I'm assuming will be different for your clients because it's individualized. Yes, individualized, but kind of the same approach as well. Like for me, it's more so assessing where I am now. Mm-hmm. And when you say what, assessing, what's assessing? Um, for me currently, it's a lot of managing my sleep. So sleep has just become like a massive focus for me um, in the first quarter of this year. I really want to try to improve it. Hence why this has happened. Oh, um, you got a whoop. I got a whoop. I want whoop to be a sponsor. I, Can you please actually oh, hold man. that up to the camera? I'm waiting for whoop to send me a message. Send me a message too because yeah. um, that would be great. <laughs> Brenda and Katie B. Yeah. Whoop, whoop athletes. <laughs> um, so I'm giving it a go. I'm, I haven't really, I just got it a few days ago. So still trying to figure out everything with it but I thought that that would help in terms of metrics and just kind of seeing what it would give me Um, but it's more so like figuring out priorities like what are my top priorities right now because you're busy you're a busy person yeah 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 considering I was a half hour late today yeah yeah. yeah, and just assessing the priorities that I've got in line and then figuring out the steps in order to get to that where I want to be um, so it's the same like if I sit down somebody um, as a client first time client I will spend at least an hour and a half with them just to talk and um, I think the biggest thing is assessing body language mm-hmm. um, I think that a lot of people especially like um, online coaches they tend to miss that a lot what, why would you assess body language um, it gives a lot of information on the person. Like how they feel about themselves? How they present themselves, um, the way that they sit, the way that they communicate, their eye contact. All of these things can matter in terms of what you deliver to them okay. and how even you speak to them. Um, I think like um, I took a counseling course um, in uni and that was super helpful in terms of being able to um, communicate better with people and figure out how to kind of establish that rapport with them Mm -hmm. because the biggest thing you want as a coach is you want that person to trust you yeah like it doesn't you can give them the best information in the world but if they have no trust in you they've paid you the money and everything but they come and visit you and then they're just like I don't like I don't believe her or I don't like I don't want her taking care of my nutrition or whatever it happens to be you're never going to get results from that person and that's um that's a fault on you because you haven't been able to build that rapport. So I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> Talking about your approach. My approach. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think like, like you were saying, it's very individualized. And in terms of assessing um, an individual, it would be, you know, 
again, what their priorities are. So if training is their priority, if they want to get 160 kilo deadlift and they're sitting at 145 right now, you know, putting them on a deficit and making them meal prep like two, three times a week and changing up their meal, like you don't, you don't need to do something like that. You need to focus on what they want to achieve and make it easy for them. Um, in terms of like diet plans, because I get questions all the time, like, oh, can you, can you do a diet plan for me? Um, and I will, but I need to still build that rapport with that person because something like that takes a lot of work because, again, it's super individualized. I don't give out templates. Like, I, yes. I, I will not do that. I refuse to do that because it never works. Yeah. And I want, I want results just as much as the person coming to me wants it's, results. It makes you feel good. So we do a whole That's bunch it. of social media clients and it makes me feel good when I see them get results. Exactly. And so we actually go through an application process because if we don't feel like we're the right fit yep. and that they're not going to stick or they're not going to get results, we're like, hey, there's probably someone better suited. Yeah. Because when you see someone in, in I mean, in your instance, changing their life like literally by um, you being a good coach it makes your job more fulfilling exactly I actually had um, I had a lady message me on Facebook a couple years ago and she said I really need your help I was like okay like give me a breakdown what's happening like what's going on and she's like I work away Um, I'm a single parent of three I don't have time to cook I don't like cooking Um, and I probably won't follow a meal plan so <laughs> it's like you've just crossed every <laughs> single box. So I messaged her back and I was like, look, um, I don't think you're ready to take something on like this. You know, when you decide that you want to make your health a priority, mm-hmm. message me back. Mm-hmm. And I got like this message back from her and it was like, ha, 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 fair enough. A month later, she messaged me back and then we got started. So it That's was just, cool. it's just a matter of changing priorities for people. Like the other thing is like when people come to see me and they're like, my doctor told me I need to lose 10 kilos. Yeah. Cool. Your doctor said that, but do you do you do you want to lose ten kilos? Are you willing to put the work and effort into it in order to lose those ten kilos? Because if you're not, you're not ready for it. Yeah, it's got to come from an internal, like internal motivation, um, for it to be sustainable. So then, um, your your actual approach to dieting now. So someone actually sent you a message prior to this, talking about they eat really plain. It's chicken, <laughs> rice, and broccoli. Um, you know, is that a good thing or not? So I grew up in the bodybuilding world, yes. and we were either in off season yep. where we were twenty kilos out of our comp weight, or we were th- literally doing chicken, rice, and broccoli pretty much every day. Oh, good. So there was no, um, you weighed your food, but there was no like my fitness power. There was yeah. no, macros wasn't a word back then. And when this, if it fits your macros trend came <laughs> out, we were like, what are you talking about? Um, brown rice is different to, it has a different pathway or is completely different compared to like a sweet potato or whatever. Yeah. So when I went into my diets, I was real skeptical about this flexible dieting because Shell was a big advocate for it. And I was like, nope, nope. And I'd do like <laughs> carb backloading. I'd do like yeah. all sorts of stuff because it was the bro science that yeah. I knew. And then when I went through, I'm like, oh, I can still eat that piece of pizza and still get lean. Correct. And for me, that was unheard of. Yeah. Um, so what's your approach now? Do you use things like tracking macros? Do you use my fitness power? Um, I do for the majority of my clients, depending on where they're, where they're at. There's some people that look at like a fitness, like a, a tracking app and they're like, I, like that's, that's too much for me. So I'll literally like just kind of plan out a meal for them and say like, um, it might even be measuring like with your hand from the start. So like that might be like their intro to nutrition. And then from there, when we establish something like that and they feel good, then we can kind of like progress them on. Um, but for the majority of my clients, we do track macro- macros. And I always ask them, I always tell them to give me like their top five to 10 proteins, fats, and carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't care what they are. Just tell me what you like. 
and then give me three to five meals that you enjoy. And that can be anything from Reese's Peanut Butter Puffs. Have you had those before? Uh, I've had Reese's Peanut Butter, like the chocolate cup no, things. No, 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 like cereal. Oh, I'm a glutard. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Damn it. I'm a new glutard. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, <laughs> I'm sorry. sorry. I'm so sorry, but it's delicious. Um, anyway, um, three to five meals that they really enjoy. And I, like, I don't care what it is. It can be anything. And then from there, we'll plan a structured meal plan for them, if that's what they want, based on the foods that they like. Because the number one thing in terms of following your macros or following a diet or following a plan of some sort is it's got to be sustainable. Mm-hmm. So if you come to me and you say, Katie, I need a meal plan from you, um, but I don't like chicken, rice, and broccoli. And then yeah. I'm like, cool, let me do up a meal plan for you. Three meals a day, chicken, rice, and broccoli. How long, you, life. how long are you going to do it for? Yeah, not it's very not going to happen. Not very long. You're going to so, hate every second of it, exactly. and then you're probably going to rebound back. And then you're probably going to hate me too, because yeah. I've given you chicken, broccoli, broccoli and, the, and rice. Yeah. Um, so I always try to make sure that I work with that client as an individual. And you know, it might not be Reese's peanut butter puffs yep. that they get in their meal plan, but it could be something that will replicate that. So they kind of still get that that little bit um, of the thing that they really enjoy. I've even done like I've done a massive program with a bunch of my clients um, probably about six months ago, and they all train, but they all train for about forty five minutes a day. Sure. So like it's they they train, but it's not something where they're going to need like intra workout. But yep. structured them a plan and then said, guys, we're going to give you an intra-workout. Yep. Okay. Okay. So they would all get like their numbers, so their carbohydrates that they could have in that 45-minute span. Mm-hmm. And they would stroll into the gym so happy with like their little bag of Sour Patch Kids or oh, snakes really? or whatever. Love it. You know, and it was like maybe 8 to 16 of them or whatever it is that they got. But the fact that they got to come into the gym and they got to have lollies, like that was the one thing that helped them stick to the plan. Yes. And it's such a small thing, but they got to walk in and then all of the other people in the gym are like, what? why Like, why do they get to eat lollies? Why do they get that? And eventually I told them, I was like, look guys, you, you guys don't need this. But this has been like one of the things that's been able to make you guys stay on the diet because you guys look forward to having your... <laughs> six to 12 lollies um, during your workout. Yep. And we just basically remove the carbohydrates from another meal and then it all equals out in the end. Um, so it's just, it's it's finding those little things that can help somebody um, stay on track. That's so cool. And it's so true because you can just shift them through it. And I just love that. I love sour patch lollies, oh, by the way. Who doesn't, They're right? the best. They're the best. <laughs> and they're gluten-free them. too, right? Yeah, they're gluten-free. Oh, yeah. yeah, they're winning. gluten-free. Um, that's awesome. Hey, I try and do these in about 30-minute blocks, and I want to get you on throughout the year so we can talk about heaps of other stuff. Yes. Now, you're based out at um, RBT County Vale. Correct. And you help out with nutrition coaching there. Correct. So, if people want to reach out with you, I'm going to yes. put your Insta on there. That's, yes, that's, that's the easiest way. Yes, that is the best way. Katie B, that was awesome, man. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Love it. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> Even on stage, like my knees frame you up. The rush of things you can still stay controlled. Fitness. <laughs>